Welcome to the Rival and Queen podcast, everyone. We are so glad to have you here. Thank you so much for listening. Sarah, how are you doing? I'm doing great today, Ashley. Good. I'm so happy to see your face. It's so nice to see your face. And happy Thursday to everyone listening. We hope you are having a lovely Thursday. We hope something nice is happening around you, wherever you are. We can feel your love and energy from afar, which we so appreciate. And we hope everyone is staying well and safe, of course, during this crazy time. Sarah, I think that this podcast is so fitting right now. We talked to sleep expert um, Christine Lawler, and she is at a Las Vegas. So that was super cool to bring her into our virtual studio. And I know with everything going on, I think everyone's probably having a little harder of a time maybe getting kids to sleep or, or on their certain sleep patterns. And of course, even as adults, there's things on our mind and stressors that we're not accustomed or used to, to dealing with right now. So this podcast was so fitting for what's going on. I actually thought it was just fitting because we had more time to sleep. <laughs> like I thought people are probably actually sleeping more and, and resting. And, and so anyways, it was... I love you know what? this That's podcast. a good point. But I think because we do not have kids, it's a complete um, opposite of most people's lives right now. Because I did read an article yesterday and I was talking to one of my friends, Nicole Turnbull, who was on our mom episode. And she said, this is the most difficult thing ever right now. Like she's struggling because she has two little girls she has to entertain. And she said it is impossible to work and try and maintain that work-life balance this um, you know, for this long of a period of time. It's not just a day here, a day there. It's weeks on end, right? You can only plead to their inner their inner souls to be good for so many days in a row while mommy works. <laughs> yeah, well, I think they just are demanding and they want a snack and they want your attention and they want to show you something. So I think that you and I are lucky. Yes, we may be able to, to sleep in or go for a walk on our lunch break and, and read and do all these things. And, and she actually reshared a post which I thought was pretty cheeky on Instagram that said we cannot do yoga in the middle of the day or we cannot sleep and all these different things and I'm like oh weird because that's what I'm able to do but I think that we take that <laughs> yeah I want to be very clear I don't have a lunch break I'm living very fluidly and doing whatever I want <laughs> True. whatever I want um so today we do have Christine Lawler on she is a sleep consultant as Ashley said out of Las Vegas and she's so fun what a great episode this is we cover if you have any just interest in sleep or if you have sleep challenges, it is a friggin' awesome episode. So we talk about insomnia, sleep ability versus opportunity, which was like mind blowing for me. So stay tuned for that one. We talk about creating good sleep associations and sleep habits with babies and kids. And she has, as Ashley said, we don't have children, but her tips are frigging awesome. We also talk about really how sleep affects how you engage in life overall as a human, as a parent. And then, of course, the fun part, we talk about sleeping with other people when you have bedmates, <laughs> how you deal with them. It's <laughs> true. We all have them, whether it's a kid or or a husband, we have to deal with sleeping with someone I else. have no bedmates. I, you do not. <laughs> but can I tell you something? I recently picked up this habit where I'm waking up on the other side of my bed. Really? Like I go to bed on one side, the same side I've always slept on, and I wake up on the other side. And I feel like I need to rotate my mattress or something because I feel like mm. subconsciously my body's like, get to this other side. 
you're you're just maybe having a beautiful sleep and enjoying all the space you have, which can no. be very nice. No, <laughs> my body is like trying to sneak me over there. That's so funny. I love it. Yeah, I've been having an interesting sleep pattern and routine right now. I would say, and, and when we talked to Christine several weeks ago. It was something you and I just kind of aligned on that we wanted to learn more about sleep because both of us have very different sleep patterns and we um, sometimes have sleepless nights or more sleep than others. So it was really interesting to realize why these things kind of happen and how they really affect your overall moods and your overall frustration, which Christine talks about, which I love when her feet kind of hit the floor when she didn't sleep properly and just felt like screaming. And I think a lot of people, especially right now, can relate to having that kind of mood uh, behaviors of ups and downs. So I I thought it was so interesting. And Sarah, what time have you been going to bed lately? What's what's your routine? So I will say my routine is very impacted by Katie, who I who I live with. Because Katie likes to stay up late, and we've been playing. Well, how cards. late? Oh, she'll probably stay up till one. What? And yeah, and I think I've been trying to go to bed at eleven, which is optimistic for me. Mm-hmm. Like, but that, that would is. be in, in my dream life. I would be going to bed at eleven. I've I've been going to bed at. 12 probably between okay. 11 30 and 12 30 more realistically but if i do stay up and watch tv see the problem is is like if i'm up past 12 i'm not going to bed till two you need time to kind of i need time down. to unwind so mm-hmm. what time do you go to bed um i was kind of between the 10 30 11 11 30 mark that's such a good mark but last night of course it was one of um the full moons and you and I talked and I didn't realize when we hung up it was like 10 30 and then I was just really excited and I hadn't wind down so I don't think I went to bed last night until like 12 30 which is later that's late for, for you and then I woke up I think at 8 40 which is also a very great sleep that's a lovely sleep I woke up at 8 30 this morning yeah I don't know I love to stay up late I love to get up early not a great mix <laughs> no but some people can some people can do that and I I'm a, someone that really needs my sleep or I am not happy I don't think that's actually true I think people can do it but I don't think you're showing up in your best li- you're not living your best life no, and I relate to what Christine said. As soon as I wake up and I know, which has happened a few times in the last week, that I have had um, sleepless nights of waking up for a few hours. As soon as I wake up in the morning and my eyes open, I'm in a bad mood just immediately. <laughs> Jeff's like, good morning. You throw something at him. No, he knows that I, if I didn't sleep that he feels bad. So I think he's extra nice to me and makes me extra coffee those days. Oh, that's so nice. Ash, do you have a bedtime routine? Oh, one thing I do want to say in this episode, which I thought was really cool, we actually talk about whether everyone needs eight hours of sleep or not. That's right. And that's something I'd love to learn more about. And of course, you can check out Christine and her company and brand at thepeacefulsleeper.com. And she's got a ton of different sleep training programs. And I'm super interested to learn about kind of the diary around sleep because that's how she is, assesses you. So I kind of wanted to start. And how much even, sleep you need. Yeah, yeah. To see what pattern I have. Like, have I slept for nine hours and how did I feel or seven hours? Because I think everyone, like you said, has a different rhythm and a different need as far as uh, how much sleep they actually need. So I, I kind of want to dive into that. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So for all our listeners, we did, um, we, we connect with Christine because she's one of the only people who does adult sleep therapy. And she also does baby 
sleep therapy and kids sleep therapy, but most people do that. But she also has a ton of online offerings. So she can actually help you online. And if you're interested, you can, as Ashley said, go to her website and she has a ton of different products that can help you explore your sleep habits. Absolutely. And she was so fun, had a great energy. It was an awesome conversation. But my sleep routine, Sarah, is I typically sometimes do maybe a little bit of work or kind of get on my laptop after supper and just poke around at anything that I might need to take care of or or set up for the next day. Um, And sometimes I like to, well, most of the times I like to have a shower before I go to bed. It's fine. Mm. I feel like fresh and sometimes I'm lazy to wash my face. So by getting in the shower, it's just easier. I know that sounds crazy. Um, And I typically put my sage mister on. I like my essential oils and get in bed and watch a show typically. And I know that's probably not the best sleep habit, but that's what I like to do. And typically once I start watching a TV show, I am extremely tired and go to sleep. Nothing fancy. I like have a tea. I usually have a tea with um, when I'm in bed too. I like that. I I feel like I did not know what sleep hygiene was until we connected with Christine, which is like this practice of like getting yourself ready for sleep. I feel like you've got your sage mister going when you were say, saying that. I was like, oh, Ashley knows what sleep hygiene is. <laughs> I've always kind of had a sleep routine. I think it's always been the same. I know when I want to get ready and I kind of, sometimes I even mm. shut all the lights off in my room. I turn my little, um, it's an alarm clock sound machine and it also has um, different lighting settings you can put on. So it can make, be an orange glow or nighttime. You're setting the mood. <laughs> yeah. And I bring my tea in and I put whatever I want to watch on because it's the only time I feel like once my door closes, I'm in my bed and it's usually alone. I, I have a little time alone from Jeff. Thank God. No shade, but just it's nice to be quiet on your own. And that is the only time I kind of have to just like do nothing. I try not to look at my phone and just Hmm. decompress. I don't know what my sleep habit. I've been very much paying attention, trying to make myself go to bed early. I've been trying to trick myself. (laughs) So I don't, I, as Ashley said, like I could stay up. I have no habits. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Apparently, it's whatever. So I do dim the lights in my room. I find that really helpful. Mm-hmm. And um, I would like to say I like have a tea, but that sounds like a great idea. I've never thought of that. I dim the lights and I just usually get my bed and I've been trying to read now. So one thing I have changed since we talked to Christine is I, I bought an alarm clock, like a regular alarm clock that's analog. (laughs) And I've been keeping my phone away from my bed, like charging it outside my room. But I stopped doing that for a couple nights. And of course, those nights I stayed up to like 2am just like getting into nonsense on my phone. So I'm what I'm trying to do, I dim the lights, I get in bed, I journal, and then I read. I think that's idealistic, but that's what I would like to do. I try it. That when I do it, like it's you. good. But the problem is sometimes I don't start that till midnight. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's far too late. <laughs> and last I know, week, it... I was reading a good book, and I stayed up till two, two nights reading it. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I don't know. Pray for us. Totally. Anyone listening, if you have good sleep habits, please write us and tell them what, tell us what they are. Cause I would love to know. One more thing I want to include is that I like to be really cold when I sleep. I like the room to be cold, really cold. And now that we live in an apartment, I don't even have the heat on and it's typically 
around 20 to 21 degrees Celsius just because of the building. It's new. So I've been putting the air conditioning on it <laughs> like full blast. I was going to say, because you can't even open a window to let in fresh air. Well, I could, but I think that would be maybe too cold. I don't know. I'd do it. Fair. But Ash, <laughs> I feel like you're like the- you're the queen of sleep. Like you figured it out. I, I know how to get to sleep. I just sometimes can't stay asleep. So still working on that. I'm sure lots of our listeners have the same problem. I hope any of I hope all of our listeners enjoy this episode. I think you're it is I've learned a ton whether you sleep well or you don't sleep well. It's just interesting and to think about how it affects your health. And if you got any kids, you'll love it. All right. Let's do it, Sarah. What's up, everyone? We are so excited. We have another episode of Rival and Queen, and we are joined by Christine Lawler, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist and a sleep consultant. So welcome, Christine. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. All the way from Las Vegas, I might add as well. Yes. We are so, so excited you could be here, Christine. Christine and I had a call a couple weeks ago, and I was expressing to her how Ashley and I are obsessed with sleep. And we know that when I started looking into finding a sleep consultant, it looked there's very few people who talk about like adult sleep. And that's how we connected with you. It's one of the areas that you focus on. So what kind of brought um, you into that world and brought those two worlds together? Yeah. So it's a little bit of a long story. Basically. So I've been doing therapy for 10 years now. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I have my own private practice. And I kind of started to realize that so many of my clients that were the most stuck in their lives and in depression and anxiety or frustrations with work or with their husband, like I was starting to notice this common thread of people not sleeping well. And then I suffer with insomnia here and there. And so I hated that it felt like my response was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sleep's important, but like, let's talk about your marriage. And it just felt like I was missing something. And like I said, as an insomnia sufferer myself, it was a little bit of like, oh, I try this and that good luck. And so it kind of was perfect timing. One day I got this flyer in the mail that was like, a 30 hour intensive behavioral sleep therapy course. And I was like, wait, there's therapy that I could do for people's insomnia. And so I went to that training because I was interested, but also because I needed my continuing education before the end of the year. And the training blew my mind, how easy it was, how effective it was and how like nobody talks about this stuff. And there's like, a scientifically proven way without medication to improve your sleep a lot. And that one of the things that blew my mind, that's not really surprising, is they said that 80% of people with a mental health diagnosis have underlying sleep issues, which is like, well, duh, that makes sense. But also like, holy cow. So why is sleep not our first line of defense for everything? And why do we as adults. And I mean, we're busy and we like to be productive and whatever, but like sleep is so undervalued. And so I just kind of made it my mission to help my clients with insomnia. And then when I had babies of my own, I was like, oh, this is a whole different ballgame. So then I made it my mission to figure out everything about baby sleep. And now here I am. 
Oh my God. So how did you deal with your own personal insomnia? Cause something I think everyone can relate to is maybe not that case, but having those sleepless, restless nights and it's, it kills me. It was that training that I went to that kind of taught me how to walk through, walk my clients through that. And then, you know, that saying like those who can't do teach, I think sometimes therapists have a bad rap for like, we go into this because we have so many of our own issues to work out. And I'm very committed to like, uh, -uh, I'm going to be the first person to trudge forward and figure out like crap. And then I'm going to help other people do the same. So I, I literally just did the CBTI, the kind of therapy that I do for clients. I do that. I did that on myself and I changed my habits and I changed my thoughts around sleep and I changed my patterns. And then I can say that like I used to be an insomnia sufferer and I'm totally not anymore. That is amazing. And I appreciate that because I know Ashley and I, even in the last year, and Ash, you might have dealt with this longer than I have, but in the past years when I've started realizing I have times when I can't get to sleep and it drives me crazy. And I'm starting to notice how much it affects me in things like my work and even my mood the next day. Totally. And well, I like what you said, Christine, even about like the the tie between that and anxiety and any um, kind of disorders that people might have is because, well, Sarah, you know, you go to work and you feel crazy or you feel just out of your, your minds here and your body's five feet away from you. You're disconnected. Totally. Could you tell us a bit more about you know, why sleep matters so much, uh, Christine, and, and how it affects us if we aren't getting a good night's sleep? Yeah. I mean, sleep, you don't have to Google very much to see the benefits of sleep on our physical bodies, right? Like it helps our circulation and our food digestion and our heart health, and it affects all the parts of our baseline of health, but also for our mental well-being, like our brains are regenerating while we're sleeping. They are Mm. processing the things that have gone on throughout our day. They're kind of storing those memories. And I think like, you know, we all have these experiences where something happens and then the way that it gets stored in our brain as a memory actually matters, right? Something happens or like maybe you say something embarrassing at a party and you can walk away with like, "Eh, I'm not perfect, whatever. People will probably (laughs) forget about it. Or we walk away like, oh my gosh, I'm so dumb. I should never do that again. Right. And if like, if our brain doesn't get enough good opportunity to make the full circle of processing information and coming back around to the healthy place, then it gets stored in the unhealthy place and we get stuck there. Interesting. That's such a clear way to think of that. Um, partially, I think a bigger issue, usually that's kind of the secondary issue. The bigger problem that we run into is that we just have really bad sleep habits and we start to create really ineffective sleep associations that we need to break. So if you think about like very basic behavioral psychology, There was a guy, Pavlov, who did an experiment with dogs. So he rang a bell, gave the dogs some food, rang a bell, gave them some food, rang a bell, gave them some food. And then he rang a bell and noticed that the dogs came running and they started salivating even though he just rang a bell, right? So it's a conditioned response. So what happens is the more that we experience lying in bed awake, 
trying to fall asleep and not sleeping, we start to create this association with bedtime, with our beds, that the places, my bed is the place where I lie awake at night, Hmm. thinking, stressing, planning, doing my to-do list, overthinking that argument with my husband. Like the bed is the place where my mind is racing instead of the bed is the place where I fall asleep. Interesting. So how do we start to build, like, can you tell us a little bit about what are good sleep habits and how we start to create those so that we don't have this negative association with our bed? Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's the thing. It's super easy and simple and straightforward and makes a lot of sense. And it's kind of like, duh, and also really hard to actually execute. So <laughs> the two... And it's kind of, you know, I compare it a lot to like diet and exercise. Like if you want to lose weight, if you want to get toned, it matters what you eat and it matters how you exercise. And we all know that like, uh uh-huh, duh. But like, what are we actually doing about it? It's easier said than done. So the two basic principles that I go off of a lot is identifying the mismatch between sleep ability and sleep opportunity. And I'll talk more about that in a second. And the most important part is just not laying in bed awake. So if you're not sleeping, get back out of bed. If you wake up in the middle of the night and you can't fall back asleep, get up, get out of bed. What? Okay. I've heard that, but it's hard to do, Christine, because you're laying there and you're warm and cozy. Yes. It's so hard to do. And I'm guilty of that myself. Like I have fixed my own insomnia and I know better. And I preach this time and time again. And there are still times that I'm like, oh, but my bed's so warm. If I just do it this one night, it's not going to mess me up. Huh. I did not realize how important that was. Yeah. And so that's why I say like, it's super easy and straightforward, but also really, really, really hard because in the middle of the night or like when you want to go to bed, we think if I just lay here, then eventually I'll fall asleep. But that's where we get back to the mismatch between sleep ability and sleep opportunity. So let's say I'm back in my insomnia days and a couple times a week, I have these like two or three hours where it takes me two or three hours to fall asleep at night. Or maybe I wake up and I can't fall back to sleep. So my body's actual ability to sleep might only be on average, maybe like six hours a night if I'm going through a rough spell. But because I was so tired from the night before and I want to go to bed early to catch up or we all need eight hours of sleep. So we give ourselves more opportunity. So like my body's current ability might be six hours a night, but because I want that to get better, I give myself eight hours of opportunity. And what your body does is says, cool, I have eight hours to do six hours worth of work. Awesome. I'll stretch that out to fill the time. And then we just get crappy sleep. Really? Yes. So, and I mean, I think we can compare that to so many other aspects of our lives. Like think about work deadlines or homework or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like if you have a whole semester to do a project, you're probably going to take the whole semester to do the project. But if you have three days to do a project, you're going to make it happen. And so when the kind of therapy that I do, I work with clients to really sketch out a very clear idea of what their actual sleep patterns are currently looking like. One thing that we fall into a trap about is that we remember those terrible nights and we don't always remember the okay-ish nights. So I'll talk to people all the time that are like, yeah, I sleep like four hours a night. But when we actually look at the data, it's like, well, some nights you sleep only four hours, but some nights you sleep seven. So your actual average 
is different. And then we say, and this is one of the other hard parts, we say, okay, what's the average of how much sleep you're actually getting per night? Now that's what we prescribe you. So let's say you were getting hmm. five and a half hours of sleep a night. You have to wake up at six o'clock in the morning. And I say, okay, shoot, sorry, your new bedtime is 1230. Really? And then, yes. And then the thing that's so cool about that is then I've given you a whole new problem. Instead of when am I going to fall asleep? When am I going to fall asleep? When am I going to fall asleep? Now your problem is this crazy lady told me I can't go to bed until 1230. How on earth am I going to stay awake? I'm so tired. We're actually not sleep depriving you more than you were sleep deprived to begin with, but it feels more restricted. And so your brain kicks back in to fall asleep when you get the chance and stay asleep all night long because it's like, she's not going to give me any other opportunities. I better take advantage. And then we just slowly expand you back 15 minutes a week until you're back at your norm. But your brain has, your sleep system got reset. Wow. That is not how I would have imagined this to go at all. Right? Which is why like when I did this training and when I did it on myself and started to see clients, I was like, everybody in the world needs to know this. (laughs) It makes so much sense and it's so easy and it's so doable. And people don't know that like, there are therapists that treat sleep issues. This is okay. So I have a couple of questions just from that comment. Like one is how do we find out what our sleep capability is? Like, how do we start? Is it eight hours? Are we all supposed to be sleeping eight hours a night or is that our sleep capability or what? How do we find that out? No. So that's another common misconception that actually leads to a lot of problems because some people's natural body preference is like seven hours and 15 minutes. And for some people, it's not really a problem. But for other people, if your body only wants to sleep seven hours and 15 minutes and you're constantly trying to make it sleep eight hours, it's going to find 45 minutes somewhere that Hmm. you want to be sleeping and it doesn't want to be sleeping. And so you're going to have that like, oh my gosh, it takes me 45 minutes to fall asleep. And it's like, well, not actually, you just went to bed 45 minutes early. Hmm. Does that make sense? That makes total sense. So how do we find out, I guess, like what our body does want for sleep? Yeah. So I have a sleep log. It's super, I mean, you could do it yourself. I basically just make a bar graph of 12 a.m., you know, so midnight on Sunday to midnight on Monday and just chart a 24-hour period. I have people color in when they were sleeping is in dark blue. And then when they were trying to sleep, it's light blue. And when they were awake, it's green, right? So super simple. And then it's not very advanced. Like they hand me their sleep chart and I count up the boxes and divide it by seven. Say, okay, (laughs) on average, this is what your body is doing. And then, so we see how they're doing, but then we also, or like how many hours on average they're getting, but also it matters how they feel looking at the hours I did sleep and say, if I had seven, eight hours of sleep, but I still feel tired. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? So sometimes, gosh, there are a couple of different factors, which is why I often like to just get one-on-one with people, but I do have a video course. That's kind of like you're at home. Here's how you do it. I'm going to walk you through an eight week program. It is important to figure out yeah, how rested you feel And then sometimes there are factors like sleep apnea or restless legs. Like maybe you are kicking your legs or your body's coming out of 
it's deep sleep because you need to breathe a little bit more. (laughs) Um, So the most common culprit in like, I got enough hours of sleep, but I feel like I barely slept at all. Usually that's a sleep apnea thing. Interesting. I wouldn't say that happens to me all the time, but you know, those nights when you think I should feel rested and I'm just, I'm exhausted. Mm -hmm. And it also might be you catching up from a previous sleep deficit, you know, (laughs) so maybe three or four days before you went to bed way too late or whatever, you get back on track, then you have a great night of sleep and you're like, wow, I should feel better than I do now. And your body's like, oh, yep, you like started to refill the tank, but I'm going to remind you that there's still more to refill. I think that's something you hear a lot as well is if you're sleeping throughout the week and you're sleeping your regular hours and then on the weekends you decide to stay up later or sleep in longer, but that actually can do more harm than good um, when you're trying to get back on your regular routine. Is that true? Yeah, I think in general, our bodies crave homeostasis. And so they will compensate. Again, just like with a diet, like if I have a pretty regular pattern of eating healthy food and exercising regularly-ish, right? Like nobody needs to be perfect. Like if I go on a cruise and I stuff my face for a week, (laughs) I'm not gonna like gain a billion pounds and never get back on track because my body's gonna say like, wow, she ate a lot of soft serve and (laughs) let's burn this off a little quicker. Or guess what? Like next week, you're just probably not naturally as hungry. And so really the bigger problem is when we when we don't let our body just naturally shift back into the homeostasis. So say it's like you Mm. sleep in until 11 a.m. on a Saturday or a Sunday morning, and then you have to go to work the next day at, you know, early. And so you slept in until 11, and then now you're trying to go to bed at 9 p.m. And your body's like, hey, guess what? I'm super not tired right now. And you're like, what? What's wrong? How come I'm not sleeping? And it's like, well, you slept super late today. Like, of course you're not tired yet. (laughs) I always wonder about that because I'm terrible for, I do not have like a bedtime or sleep routine at all. And I will often, especially like on weekends or if I'm just working on a project, stay up way too late. And then my body has no idea what's going on. And I don't, I don't even know how to get back on track. It's just like, do good night sleeps over a period of time, get me back to where I need to be. In general, yes. I think most of us just need to have better consistent patterns doing the normal sleep hygiene stuff, like turning down the lights as you're getting ready for bed, having a consistent bedtime routine, leaving your phone out of your room. Like for the vast majority of people, Mm. it's just Mm. developing healthier patterns and more consistent habits and not expecting your body to go to bed and sleep in sometimes and you know, go to bed early and wake up early other times. Like for the vast majority of people, if we just have good consistent patterns, it's fine. For the chronic insomniacs, they get really frustrated and overwhelmed when it's like, no, I've tried all the things and my brain just doesn't shut off. And that's where this more rigorous sleep restriction and then sleep expansion comes in. But probably the vast majority of people listening right now If you just get your phone out of your room and (laughs) stop lying in bed awake, you're probably going to reset yourself all on your own. I can't wait to try that because I do wake up and I just lay there and I'm going to just kind of mosey on, walk around, see how I feel and then go back to bed and and, uh, hopefully that, that does the trick. So for anyone listening... 
try that if anything. Yes. And I recognize that it is so much easier said than done. The last thing you want to do at three o'clock in the morning when you wake up and you can't go back to sleep, the last thing you want to do is go out to your living room and sit there. (laughs) Yeah, that sucks. But that's a good point. Should you be doing something aside from do not look at your phone? I'm assuming what should you do in that time before you go back to bed? You actually can do whatever you want as long as it's not so quote unquote rewarding that your brain's like, oh, hey, that was great. I should do that all the time. (laughs) Right. So like if you, I don't know, like started gambling or if you like were super, super, super productive and you were like, oh my gosh, I was like crushing my emails at 3 a.m. This was awesome. Like, (laughs) But really, like you can be on your phone, you can watch TV. I remember the last time this happened to me, actually, now that I'm talking about it, I'm like, hey, I've been doing great. It was like a year ago. Um, we just moved into our house and I was building this Ikea picnic table. I remember I woke <laughs> up at like three o'clock in the morning and I was like, F, I know that I need to get out of bed and I don't want to, but I guess I'm going to go build some furniture. <laughs> Started working on my little Ikea furniture and then it was about an hour later, you know, and I, I had all of those thoughts that I know you will like, wow, I feel way more awake right now than I would have if I would have just stayed in bed. But then I was awake for about an hour and then I started to get really tired again. And I was like, sweet. Now is when I will go back to bed and I know I'll fall asleep immediately. And that was a year ago. Wow. I used to struggle with waking up in the middle of the night and not falling back to sleep at least a couple times a week. Mm. And so like when you kind of, it's kind of like boundaries with our kids or boundaries in general. Like if you just kind of set that boundary with your brain and you're like, oh, you're not going to sleep. Like I'm not messing around with this crap. Like if you're not going to sleep, then you are out of bed and you are building a table. So you got two choices. You can either sleep and sleep well, or you got to be building crap. Right. And then your brain's like, uh, no, take in, I'll do the sleeping thing. I think that's the best advice. I did the other night, actually, Ashley, I've, I've been working on Ashley and I've been working on our website and uh, that's what I did at one in the morning. Cause I was still not asleep. So I was like, screw this. And I just sat up, went and got my computer and then sat for an hour and worked on the website until I was basically at the point of exhaustion. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so it is not a bad thing to drive ourselves to the point of exhaustion sometimes when we need a reset. Hmm. To just say, yep, this is how we do it. You get really tired and then you fall asleep super fast. Got it? Okay. Oh, I love that. I think some of the misconceptions around that are if you do get up in the night or you do read or work on a website, whatever it is that you're not going to be able to get back to sleep. But I'm feeling what Sarah was just saying. You kind of get to a point, your eyes start hurting, you feel exhausted, and then boom, you're back asleep before you know it's over. And it's so much of just what we tell ourselves, you know? So if it's like, oh, here we go again. I'm going to be so tired tomorrow. This is the worst thing ever. This is terrible. Oh my God. I'm going to start waking up at three o'clock in the morning every night for the rest of my life. And like, if we can, (laughs) yes. And so I tell my clients all the time, if not tonight, then probably tomorrow. And if not tomorrow, then most assuredly the night after that, meaning If you got crappy sleep one night, guess what? The next night you're probably going to sleep better. And so if you wake up at three o'clock in the morning and you start building the Ikea table, say, (laughs) yeah, this isn't, 
this isn't ideal for today. I'll probably be tired tomorrow. Guess what? I know how to operate when I'm tired. And you know what? Tomorrow night, I bet I'm going to sleep awesome. <laughs> you got to trick the brain. You've learned that. Yes. And just like keep trudging forward and don't get like all caught up. How do you manage, I guess, even being pregnant and trying to maintain good and healthy sleep habits and then also having um, little kids that might be coming in and out of your room or how do you, how do you kind of manage your insomnia with those changes as well? So, um, the hardest, when it's the hardest for me is when I have a baby that's nursing that still Mm -hmm. actually needs nighttime feedings because my issue isn't you, the way that my insomnia gets me isn't usually falling asleep initially. It's going back to sleep after I've been woken up. And so Mm. when I have a teeny tiny newborn and they're just going to wake up at 3 a.m., then that's when my insomnia really kicks in. But that's also why I'm super passionate about sleep training. Like when you said, you know, when you may or may not have kids coming in in your room in the middle of the night, like I have three kids and I don't think I've gotten woken up in the middle of the night in a really long time. Because they've been doing sleep training. Yeah, because they're just awesome sleepers. And so what like my kids go to bed predictably at the same time every night. Like and even, you know, I kind of joke on Instagram because I, I have this whole Instagram account that's about sleep and I talk about sleep in my own life, but kind of where we're at. Like I'm excited to have another baby, so I'll have some like content to talk about. Cause like <laughs> I can't really get on my stories and be like, cool, another 13 hour night at the Lawler house, uh, another predictable nap. <laughs> that's yeah. my God. People must be so jealous about your (laughs) sleeping (laughs) habits with your children. But that's why I have everything that I can teach you. So it's not, that's, that's the beauty of not just with adult sleep where it's like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. Like that actually seems easy. That's my whole mission with moms is like, Hey, guess what? You sleeping well is really, really, really important your baby sleeping well is even more important for their well-being and development and actually getting awesome sleep is so easy and doable and you can feel empowered so i always say like i want to increase the feeling of empowerment and decrease overwhelm so that we can mm. reclaim the magic of motherhood i love that what are some of the things cuz we have some friends now with young babies and actually my friend G, her and I were talking about her young baby. She's learning now like how to try to train her daughter Mia how to sleep better. But what are some tips or like resources that moms can look for uh, to, to start learning how to do sleep training with their kids? Yes. So with adult sleep, just stay up later. If you stay up later, you'll sleep better. It is the exact opposite with babies, <laughs> which is where a lot of times we get into trouble because if you think about our experience of having babies, we're basically just projecting all of our adult thoughts and ideas onto this little squirmy thing that can't actually tell us what's going on. (laughs) And so that's where a lot of parents make the mistake of keeping their babies up too long. And so with babies, I always use the phrase sleep begets sleep, meaning the more they sleep, the better they'll sleep. And so my biggest tip far and away for moms sleep training babies is prevent overtiredness. Hmm. And so get, if your baby is younger than like four or five months, try not to let baby be awake longer than 90 minutes, like kind of ever. And so usually 
just making that change and getting babies down sooner. They're like, oh my gosh, they sleep so much better and we're all so much happier. And I'm like, hooray for easy changes that are so, <laughs> like, so easy to implement. That is, I feel like, a lovely tip for mothers because, like you said, it's easy to implement. And I feel like so many of our listeners are going to friggin' love that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, for your listeners that have little babies, you also want to pay attention to sleepiness versus tiredness. So, when babies are showing signs of being sleepy, it's when they're very calm and content. They kind of gaze off, they stare a little bit. You might get one of those peaceful sighs, like, <laughs> uh, when and when you're like, oh my gosh, you're this is just so fun. When they start to get jerky and fussy, that's when a lot of parents are like, oh, you must be bored. Let's like bounce you and give you more toys in your face. But really, that's when they're on that verge of starting to get tired, and like you're kind of missing the window, and you gotta like act on it right now. The best time to get babies down for a nap is when they're in that super chill, calm, relaxed place before that second wind kicks in. Ah, that's so interesting. That is a very hot tip. I feel like Mm -hmm. sometimes, sorry, sorry, Sarah, but sometimes people you hear, and I'm sure we've all heard, or maybe you used to do that is you're trying to constantly keep the child or the baby awake, maybe from getting from point A to point B or before supper, before bath is, should you not do that? Should you let the baby just, or the child sleep? It, Oh, that's a good one. It kind of depends. One of the things that I love most about sleep training is that it makes everything so predictable. Like it's where like mom and baby can learn to tune into each other and kind of know the pattern, know the habit. I mean, you're the perfect parent before you have kids, right? And so I remember (laughs) saying like, I'm not going to be that person that revolves my whole life around my child's naps. And then I was kind of like, actually, my whole life goes a whole lot easier if I revolve my life around their naps. So I'm going to do that. (laughs) But also, if they nap predictably, then it's really easy to do that. So I always use as the threshold, like, if I have an appointment, if I need to schedule a doctor's appointment for Thursday, two weeks from now, do I know when is going to be a good time that I'm going to be available and when baby's going to be sleeping? If the answer is, I don't know, it kind of depends how the day starts out, then that's a problem, right? But if you have a sleep trained baby, if you have a good predictable schedule, then sure, there are some times where like, I've been driving home from preschool, like with my hand behind me, like shaking the car seat, like don't fall asleep yet. We're almost home. We're almost home. I know you're tired, but don't go to bed. (laughs) But like, those are kind of the rare exceptions when you're like running up too close to nap time. In general, I would say, let the baby sleep when they need to sleep, but as much as possible, try and let them be in the environment where they're going to get the best possible sleep. After four months, newborn babies can kind of sleep anywhere. So but after four months is when that all changes. Like Sarah said, we do not have children right now, but this sounds like something when we do that I will be so focused on because Uh I don't want to be sleep deprived all the time. So focused. And on that point, like Christine, could you maybe tell us a little bit about your own experience of being a mother and how that's changed when you get good sleep versus bad sleep? Like how, how does that change your day or how you interact with your kids? Oh my gosh, it makes such I'm so glad that you asked that because really that's why I do this piece. I mean, like I still have my private practice. I'm still very passionate about therapy. That's still my life and my heart. And it has always been fun to treat adult insomnia issues when they sprinkle in. 
But when I had babies of my own, I mean, I was one of those girls that I dreamed of being a mom my whole entire life. And I love babies. And when I had my baby, she was like the sweetest little bundle of joy imaginable. And I wasn't feeling all of the butterflies and rainbows. Like I was really overwhelmed and I was really stressed out. And a lot of the books that I'd read that I was looking to for help, I think it was probably, well, I mean, I run on the anxious side anyway, and probably the therapist in me that's like, I just spent a lot of years learning all the ways that parents screw up their kids. So I (laughs) got to figure out how to be the perfect parent. So I don't give my kid issues. Right. So I put so much pressure on myself to be a perfect mom. I remember just feeling overwhelmed. One quick story on that. I went to this, like, it was a mommy group self-help kind of seminar. And this lady was talking about establishing tiny habits, told this story about this terrible year that she'd had. Her husband died, her son, her husband died in a sudden car accident. Her son got diagnosed with a terminal illness and died shortly after that. They had to move, like they lost their business. It was just like her whole life was falling apart. And she told the story about how she decided that when she would start a new habit, that when her feet hit the floor in the morning, she would say, today's going to be a great day which I think is beautiful and awesome. And it also made me realize that when I woke up and my feet hit the floor in the morning, the first word out of my mouth was the F word. Because, (laughs) and that was like really sad because the baby monitor, like I heard the baby on the monitor, she was awake. I wasn't ready to be up yet. I was tired. I didn't know if I could do it for another day. And it was like, gosh, I've wanted to be a mom my whole entire life. And like, look at this lady and all the stuff that she's been through. And she's so optimistic. And like, mm-hmm. I have the sweetest baby on the planet. And the way that I greet the day is by whispering the F word under my breath. Like there's gotta <laughs> be, there's gotta be a better way to engage in motherhood. And so that's really when I got passionate about it for myself. Like when I'm not sleeping, I'm not doing well when my daughter isn't sleeping as well, she's not as happy. Like she was a super easy, happy baby when she was well rested and she was really difficult and overwhelming when she wasn't. And so, yeah, I, like I said, my whole mission is like reclaiming the magic of motherhood because motherhood can be magical and it can be beautiful. And the lens through which we see our lives just is completely different when we're well rested. Totally. Oh, I actually just read the book I just finished called Stillness is the Key talks about that. Yeah, by Ryan Holiday. And he talks about like, yeah, you can do your job or get through things with less sleep on five or six hours or four hours, whatever. But he's like, you will feel better and you will do everything better if you're actually well rested and have enough sleep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think Again, just showing up in motherhood with that different lens makes such a huge difference. Like even a couple of weeks ago, London, my youngest is, she'll be two in April. And so I walked out into the kitchen and she had a box of cereal. She'd pulled out one of the kids' bowls herself, put it on the floor, and then proceeded to dump out the entire box of Rice Krispies. I just looked at her, and I smiled, and I laughed, and I said, oh, you are so cute, and you are so proud of yourself as you are making that giant mess. And it, like, it didn't phase me. 
as my two other kids are, and my house is a mess, and my two other kids are running around being hyper four and six-year-olds, and my baby just dumped out a whole box of cereal mm -hmm. on the floor, and I saw that as such a beautiful, sweet, silly moment, and mm -hmm. I'm not like the most optimistic person on the planet. Like, remember, I just said that I woke up saying the F word every day, <laughs> but like the fact that I could see her dumping out this whole box of cereal, I was like, oh, that was a cute little mess. Instead of <laughs> Thing, kidding me I cannot handle this somebody take my children I need I need a me day and like truly that's the magic of getting sleep you're a different person such yeah. a good perspective oh my god so well, I, I relate to that all the time Christine when I'm yelling at my husband or flipping out about something it's probably because I'm tired let's just talk uh -huh. about to that yeah totally so how does sleep that's a good point Ashley actually like how do we change or plan our sleep when we have partners that we're sleeping with and like do are we supposed to align or if you have different bedtimes like how do we not kill each other <laughs> yeah so I I actually have this conversation a lot because it's tricky when you add another person into the mix and so kind of as a sleep specialist and as a marriage therapist you kind of have to figure out that balance where I think actually for our sleep health it does more harm than good trying to align our habits with our partners because some of us are more night owls and some of us are more early to bed, early to rise. Um, I actually heard an interesting theory on this that like it comes from like our evolutionary perspective that like, you know, mm. a million years ago, like the cave people always needed somebody to be on watch overnight. And so it worked better when some people would go to bed early and wake up early. And when some people would go to bed late and wake up later, I don't know how like scientifically accurate that is, but it kind of makes <laughs> sense why like it's, it's a cool theory to paint the picture mm -hmm. of why some of us just prefer to go to bed later. And so I actually think that it's better to adhere to what your body's natural preferences are instead of my husband wants to go to bed at nine. I'm not tired yet. So I'm just laying in bed on my phone until 11 when I want to go to sleep. It would be better for me to just go sit with him in bed for a few minutes, cuddle with him until he falls asleep and then me get out of bed and do my thing. I think it's all about still prioritizing your marriage and your relationship first and foremost, and trying not to let sleep go out the window while you're doing that. But I think if like I'm prioritizing my sleep and I'm going to be in a different place than you, I think that ends up taking a toll on our relationships and that trade-off might not be worth it. Hmm. That makes sense. For me, it's a hard, we go to bed at the same time for the most part and have similar sleeping habits, which is good. And we've also been married for a long time, but I find if Jeff is away or he's not home yet and I'm trying to get myself to sleep or, or um, sleep while he's away, I find I can't sleep. But I'm thinking that's probably just in my head that I'm thinking that I can't. Mm -hmm. Is that true? Yeah, I think, I think we do get comfortable with certain things. So I'll be honest, like my husband travels a good bit for work and continuing education. And so if he's traveling, I just take a tired teddy 
which is a children's melatonin. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a children's melatonin. It's like a bubblegum flavored chewable tablet that's actually kind of delicious, even though I'm a grown up. (laughs) And it's a third of a milligram. So it's barely anything, but it just helps me get, it just helps me get a little bit tired so that I like start to have a little bit of sleep pressure and like, okay, I should go to bed. And so that's, I mean, from like the sleep therapist perspective, like I probably should be able to just get myself in better habits, but it's one of those things that it's like, it's such a low dose and it just reminds my brain, Hey, Tom's not here, but you still need to go to bed. So yeah, you're tired. Well, and I think it's because it is such a routine that you're with when you're breaking that routine of that person not being there, then that's kind of when it throws you off. And I'm with you on, I haven't tried the tired teddies. They're so good. <laughs> I have to try one. I do take uh, melatonin uh, sometimes a couple times a week, sometimes only when I need it, but it's usually only a quarter of a piece. And I think it's like a five milligram piece. Mm-hmm. So just enough. I feel like that it just puts me to sleep, which is that, is that okay to do as well to kind of self-soothe with the melatonin? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think from like the purely behavioral sleep specialist standpoint, like, no, you could probably learn how to go without it. But like, I'm also a practical person and I'm like, shoot, if it works and it's, it's not like I can't sleep when I don't have a tired teddy. It's just something that I do when my husband's gone, then like, yeah. And it works. It's yeah. working. Like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's fine. I like that. Is there a risk with melatonin? Like if you're taking too much that so you become dependent on it? I've never used it. Melatonin is a, a hormone that you naturally produce to tell your body that you're tired. So with anything, if you are constantly getting it from another source, then your body's going to stop making as much of it on your own. So think about like if my neighbor brought me dinner every night and she just always brought me dinner every night, like, guess what? I would stop cooking because I don't need to, right? So find me one of those neighbors, first of all. But like if we're constantly getting the thing from another source, we're going to stop making it ourselves. And so that's, it's a small risk with melatonin. Again, using it every once in a while as needed, you're not going to run that risk. But if you're using a high dose constantly, then yeah, you might run that risk a little bit. Okay. Good to know. Christy, could you tell us a little bit about like getting a deep sleep and what that means and, and what kind of patterns that our bodies go through in the night? Yeah. So our bodies do go through various sleep cycles. So we have our more shallow sleep and then we just go down into our deeper sleep. So, um, there are a lot of studies suggest that we have about three hour sleep cycles where we cycle through those waves completely. Um, your body does a lot of regenerating in that deep sleep, which is why we want to make sure that we are getting that where again, with sleep apnea or something, you're getting pulled out of that deeper sleep to the more shallow sleep. And so you're getting the hours, but not the quality of sleep that you need. Ah, I like that. And the regenerative part is like what you were talking about, where our memories are made or we're fully processing, probably healing physically. Yeah. And your brain is like reprocessing your neuron. Like there's so much biologically that's happening when we're sleeping. It's kind of remarkable. Okay. I love that. Um, are there like long-term repercussions of not sleeping enough over time? Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> all of them, right? Like heart disease and weight gain and, you know, just like academic performance for our kids or mm. irritability and mood. Mm-hmm. And if you think about like, if you're irritable and in a mood all the time, like there's going to be repercussions on your relationships with your kids and with your spouse and with your friends. And I mean, so like mentally, socially, emotionally, physically, behaviorally, it, yeah, there are long-term repercussions everywhere if we're not getting enough sleep. I go back to comparing it to diet and exercise. Like I'm a pretty small framed person naturally. And so like, I don't need to exercise to stay quote unquote in shape, but Mm. like, it's good for my body to exercise. So I should still do it (laughs) even though I'm not trying to lose weight or like you can survive. Like my husband is 32 years old and he's a dentist and he eats like cinnamon toast crunch all the time. And he's like, whatever, it's not. And like hot pockets. And I'm like, okay, I know that like you're still young and fit and you go to the gym, but like you got to eat some fruits and vegetables. It's going to take a toll on your body if you're not treating yourself well. Shout out to your husband. <laughs> we forget about that. You're so great. <laughs> When it comes to catching up on sleep, Christine, and this is personally like I'm I'm trying to understand this as much as I can because I don't have a sleep habit and I'm trying to develop a bedtime. That is like my goal for the next month. But when you're trying to catch up on sleep, is it better to sleep more hours when you can or just get more consistent night sleep? So should I sleep for 10 hours one night or just try to sleep for eight hours like the next three nights? Yeah, I would try to get more consistent night sleep because we want your we want your patterns to change and get healthier. So not just like, again, if you think of diet and exercise, (laughs) yeah. Like you don't want to just like on Sundays you eat tons of fruits and vegetables and then call it good for the week. Like maybe it works ish, but like you'd probably be better off like having some fruits and vegetables every day of the week. (laughs) (laughs) This is very helpful to know. Those Those are great analogies. Actually. I love it. Well, and the reason that I use that is like diet and exercise is so much a part of our our culture and everybody always has goals to be healthier with their diet and exercise. And it's like, Hey, wait, our sleep is like just as important. Let's have healthy sleep goals too. And also, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I always make this joke that I'm lazy, but like also the easiest way to make a health improvement. Totally. Yes, absolutely. Like, wait, you're telling me that I can just sleep more and that's going to like benefit all these areas of my life? Cool. Sign me up for that plan. (laughs) Exactly. A hundred percent. Ash, this is your question, but Christine, like in, we're based in Canada and I know, um, in the U.S. now, in several states, marijuana is legal. It's it legal. is definitely legal in Nevada. Yep, definitely <laughs> legal in Nevada. <laughs> and it's legal all across Canada. Is there, like, what are the effects of using different types of marijuana for sleeping? Like CBD, do you have any thoughts on those things? Yeah, so here's the thing. Just like with alcohol, like, I think marijuana was very vilified for a really long time. I think the pendulum swung a little bit too far in the other direction. Like it's natural. It's an herb. This is fine. Let's decriminalize it. Let's make it available. But like, it's still a substance and it still does take a toll on our well-being. And for some people, it's still really problematic. So I think for most people, for the general user, 
like, yeah, people get a great night of sleep after they've used marijuana. And there are a lot of marijuana products that can help you unwind and go to sleep. Um, I think we need to be careful using anything consistently to fall asleep so that we're not just relying on something else instead of actually keeping good habits. And I mean, the therapist in me, I know that I'm biased in my experiences, but I just see so much increased panic disorder and anxiety and heightened bipolar disorder that comes mm. from increased marijuana use that my general kind of feeling is like, yeah, if you want to use marijuana occasionally, like have at it, but also just have the awareness to recognize if it's creating problems for you. I think it's similar to what you said about the melatonin. And I've heard people say, oh, I need marijuana to sleep. I need it to sleep. And then when they don't use it, they say, oh, I can't sleep. But I think it's going back to you've been relying on that for months and months or years. And now your body doesn't know how to sleep on its own. Yeah. So I feel like that's a, that, that's a problem. I feel like people should not rely on any substance mm-hmm. um, to, for a good night's sleep. Yeah. How do our, like, do dreams play into good night's sleeps? Or do you know anything about that, how they're connected? Why we sometimes remember things or don't? Yeah, the, what I've heard suggested from the sleep perspective is that we usually only remember our dreams if we get disturbed in that REM cycle. Um, And then like, then what was happening in our unconscious becomes a conscious awareness. Um, I think we all dream more than we realize. And then from the therapy perspective, I think a lot of times the dreams that we have that we remember are usually our brains processing through some kind of a theme that we might be experiencing or a brain saying like, Hey, pay attention to this. Not Mm. always, you know, like you hear the people on the radio shows that are like the dream interpreters and like, Oh, if you had a crab in your dream walking backwards, that means you're gay. And like that kind of (laughs) stuff is like, no, like we don't need to be like fishing for craziness. But I do think that like, I have one, one of my therapy friends does a lot of dream analysis insights, but basically like if you wake up from a dream that you feel like is relevant, then take notes about it, figure out the kinds of themes that your brain might be trying to work through and recognize that most of the characters in your brain are a different part of you. And so like, I don't know, I had a dream a couple months ago or like I was in this hotel with all these influencers and I couldn't find where I was. And then I found my daughter, like I lost my daughter and then I found her and she was like, somebody put her in a bird cage in a corner. And it was like, (laughs) like so crazy, right? Because our brains don't make sense. But then when I like dug in, it was like, okay, what is, what is relevant here? Like, what is it that I'm feeling? And like, I uncovered like, oh, I've been feeling kind of powerless with this and this lately. I'm feeling unseen. I'm feeling trapped, you know? And so yeah, it's not like it's, I mean, I could have still worked through all of my stuff on my own, but I think dreams are fun to analyze if nothing else, but <laughs> you don't need to like look for too much symbolism in them. That makes sense. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. <laughs> I figured love that. Yeah. So th- Christine, this is our favorite time of the show. Ashley, unless you had any other questions. No, I'm excited for what's coming, Sarah. Um, We play a little game called Westygrams. 
every episode. So this is a, I want to assure you, a made-up game uh, <laughs> that a friend of mine made up. And because we're recording in different locations um, tonight, what we'll do is basically you pick a number between 1 and 75 and we will ask you the question. Or sorry, 1 and 85. And we're just going to go around in a circle and we'll all answer one. Okay. Um, well, I mean, my favorite number is 11. Perfect. So let's go with that. Usually there's cute little Westie doggy pictures, but we don't have those with us. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Guilty pleasures. What is yours? Oh, trashy reality TV. Uh, <laughs> me too. <laughs> And then like the mayor the housewives. In me, yes. And then like the therapist in me just yells at the TV the whole time. Like that's so toxic. No. <laughs> Stop watching. Yeah. I love that. Were you, were you yelling at the bachelor finale? Oh, I sure was. <laughs> <laughs> what were your thoughts on Barb? <laughs> um, oh my God. A little bit enmeshed, we'll say. And just the... I'm, I'm a big advocate of letting there be room for your emotions. She just had a lot of them. <laughs> Too many. It was, it was excessive. Yeah. Very fair. I love that. Uh, Ash, your turn. So yeah, reality TV and bubble baths. And usually combined. Oh, yeah. Baths with like the bachelor up on my phone and I'm just chilling there. And my husband's like, where have you disappeared to? Yeah, in my happy place. Yeah, exactly. That sounds amazing. Bubble baths, reality TV. Ash, I feel like that is your guilty pleasure as well. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with her. I'm going to pick number 23, Sarah. 23. What is your favorite five cent candy? Oh, that's a hard one. Do you know what I love is the bananas? You know, those little like marshmallowy bananas? Yes. Oh, Christine, do you have a favorite? Um, I really like Tootsie Rolls. I don't know if that counts as a five cent candy, but I like those are good. I forgot about Tootsie Rolls. Tootsie Rolls are good. I like the strawberry um, marshmallow ones. Now that you said the banana marshmallow ones, Ash, so good. Any candy you love, candy, sir. I mean, I'm home in Newfoundland right now, and I hope my mother doesn't listen to this episode because on the way home, I'm going to go buy a bag of candy, and she is not going to be happy about it. Um, I'm going to go with 43, which is, have you ever had a roommate? <laughs> and, and, um, who do you wish would have been your roommate? It just asked for, tell, tell us more. So yes, I have a roommate right now. Uh, shout out to Katie, who's also my roommate all through university. And, uh, I think she's a very good roommate cause she puts up with me. I think between the two of us, I have no bad stories about Katie. I mostly just feel bad that she has to put up with me sometimes. <laughs> like, God love her. She is so patient. Like, I'll be in my room burning, like, sage and probably having, like, chanting music going. And Katie's just like, oh, okay, Sarah's having a nice day. <laughs> so I have no um I'm just thankful thank you Katie if you're listening to this for pointing up to me pointing up with me I love you <laughs> and there's a second part to that question Sarah um who do I wish would be my roommate is that it Ash mm -hmm. if I could have any human in the world be my roommate oh this is a thinker isn't it I don't think you're gonna say your sister 
Oh my God. <laughs> Kill me now. Also, she would murder me. She would not put up with me and I would not put up with her because she leaves blankets everywhere. It drives me nuts. Anyways, I, uh, I like for some reason, it just popped in my head. I was like, I would, do you know who I would love is Chrissy Teigen because I feel like she would just be super fun. She could cook. She could cook and I feel like she likes things like pranks, which I'm really into. Hmm. A good roommate always comes with pranks. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, anyways, this was awesome. Christine, thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. I feel like I learned so much about like sleep, even just like learning about the sleep hygiene tips and not making myself stay in bed for eight hours a night is huge. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. And a lot of education too, I feel like is a huge part of it that people can look you up and kind of find out what the different trainings uh, you offer or people uh, that maybe live elsewhere that, that they can find someone to help them get through these issues because there is a way out. Yes. You don't have to be sleep deprived forever. Yeah, exactly. So you can find me on Instagram at the peaceful sleeper on my website, thepeacefulsleeper.com. I have all of my video courses. I have my adult sleep stuff, my baby sleep stuff. I got, got you covered. All right. Oh, we love that so much. (laughs) Thank you so, so much, Christine. This has been awesome. Thank you guys. Hi guys. Thanks so much for listening. We love hearing from you. So please let us know what you think. You can email us at rivalandqueen at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe and even leave a review. You can find us on all social handles at Rival and Queen. Thanks, guys.